0: It's all right. Riding around in the breeze. Well, it's all right. If you live the life you please. Well,
1: it's Welcome all to the Dog Show right. with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Best Talk 11:50 a.m. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by Invisible Fence Northwest. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet. Check out invisiblefencenw.com to learn about their indoor and outdoor solutions for both dogs and cats. The dog show is also brought to you in part by All the Best Pet Care. All the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. You can find them online at allthebestpetcare.com. Wonderful to be here. Um, Had last week off, played an encore broadcast of my interview with Barbara Teschel and the late, now Frankie, the walk and roll wiener dog. uh, Did a. a, The late, great Frankie. (laughs) The late, great. Yeah, um, she's got a great um, children, great children's books out, and Frankie recently passed away. I've talked a little bit about that in past shows. Of course, wiener dogs, especially close to my heart because I have one of my very own, the famous racing wiener, Leia. Uh, today's show, we have a great show. In just a couple minutes, I'm going to be talking with Kara Thor- Thornton, who's the founder and author of presentdayparenting.com. It's her blog about parenting,
2: and all things related. That makes sense. Yeah. Does what it says on the label.
1: Yes, it does. And Kara is a school psychologist. Uh, Before we talk with Kara, though, Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Julie? I'm great. Good to be here.
2: Yeah, gorgeous week we're having this week, and, uh, you know, great weather, of course. What a lovely
1: day it is. What would you do today if you weren't working?
2: You know, if I had a dog, I'd take him on a walk, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a great day to take your dog for a walk, as is every day. Even go somewhere new. True enough. New smells, especially. Give your dog a little brain candy.
2: Right. Yeah. Probably the only weather that we've had recently that I wouldn't say take your dog out on the walk uh, is the big hailstorm that we had on Sunday night. And some some areas got it, some areas didn't. But in Tacoma, we got pounded by marble-sized uh, wow. <laughs> hail, yeah, and it just really came down out of the sky really yeah. quickly. And I would say, unless you've got, like, full body armor for you and the dog, probably hold off for the 15 minutes that the hail's going.
1: Yeah, but, not a good time to take your dog for a walk. That's just my two cents. <laughs> Yeah, especially your little dog. That's right. Well, I saw the lightning. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Definitely. we got hail, but... Well, we are talking um, about kids and dogs today, and um, we have Kara Thornton with us in the booth. Hi, Kara. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks. And Kara is the founder and author of uh, the website and blog, Present Day Parenting, and it is Mm presentdayparenting.com, and you can find her articles there. And, And you're a school psychologist, and we met as you well, you and Jared, your husband now husband,
0: mm-hmm.
1: were clients of mine with your Chihuahua Lily. Yes, stubborn, very stubborn Chihuahua, but as yeah. most are.
3: I think she got last place in uh, in the dog training class too.
1: <laughs> Proudly, she did. Yes, <laughs> she said that very was all proud. intentional. <laughs> always, um, always with her. And we're talking about your expertise, Kara, is kids, yes. and mine is dogs. So mm-hmm. we're joining forces today to talk about. Uh, a few different topics about kids and dogs, and um there's so much interesting stuff we met earlier today to kind of go over the layout of the show and we were talking about which a lot of we're going to talk about during the show today, but like the um social and emotional development of children and it's just so interesting to relate that in in human young <laughs> because. I'm so, like, dog-focused. I don't have kids of my own. Mm -hmm. I like kids. I may have kids one day, Mm -hmm. but I have many dogs. And I work with dogs, so I'm, like, always so dog-focused. And it's so interesting to compare ideas of socialization, ideas of parenting, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, other, like, aggression and all sorts of stuff. We had a great conversation. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, Now, you have your blog where you talk about um, parenting topics that, and you your focus is is basically on anybody who's young, so birth to 21.
3: Yeah, yeah, all ranges, Uh, a lot of developmental um, issues as well as um, any sort of learning curve kind of things for kids, how to learn better, learning disability issues, anything that's sort of in the realm of um, going on with kids. Mm -hmm. I uh, also like to hit on adolescents a lot because for some reason people seem to get out of the picture after the the school age happens.
1: and. Mm. It's a doozy too, adolescence. Yeah. Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't pay me enough to go back, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, imagine I, guiding that too.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I had a I had a fun, happy childhood, but there were also many challenges yes. involved as well. So, I'm happy to be in my mid 30s. <laughs> um, okay. So, we have a what we started out talking about was um in the first segment, we're going to talk about Kids, and I think we're talking more about younger kids Yeah, and um, approaching a dog appropriately, greeting a dog pro- appropriately, and then also what parents can tell their kids to do if a dog approaches them yeah. that they don't know if a dog is just off leash. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, because you do have to be careful. Dogs are animals and with uh, varying degrees of. Just like kids, you know, temperament, personality, socialization, mm-hmm. and kids especially being so small and sometimes um, high energy, it can put them in trouble with dogs.
3: Well, and especially to kids, um, their schemas aren't very large yet. What so do you mean by schema? Their schemas, they're... Uh, Their model of how how something goes, how a scenario goes. Uh So if at home I have a dog at home and my dog's great and loves me and is so great, my schema of dogs, my picture of dogs is that they're always going to want to play with me and I can run after them and they're not going to do anything. Right. But that's not always the truth, right? right? So if your kid's playing in a park, it might be a very different dog that they
1: encounter. And you mentioned you have a personal experience to relate to for this because your little chihuahua, Lily, Mm -hmm. is not a fan of strange kids. Correct. Yeah.
3: Yeah. She definitely needs to be guided through the let a kid pet me phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And...
1: What's frustrating for you, and I'm sure for a lot of people who have dogs that are nervous around kids, either all kids or kids that they don't know, is when, like, and you mentioned, like, if you're at the dog park and then there's young kids there Mm -hmm. and the kids are chasing after your dog and you're like, okay, I would understand if I took Lily to a playground that I need to be, I need to know that I'm putting her in a situation where kids are off leash. Right. (laughs) Um but at a dog park, it's a dog park, and you feel like you should be able to go there and not have to worry about, you know, having to manage other people's children.
3: Right, right. Yeah.
1: And so, as with dogs and other dog park issues, a lot of that has to do with the, um, you know, behavior of the owner or adult. Correct, yeah. And uh, that people, uh, you know, it's a plea, I guess, will take the opportunity... For if you're going to bring your child to a dog park, which I actually don't recommend anyway, seems... yeah, it's
3: there's a lot of lot going on, yeah. a lot you can't control,
1: and dog, yeah. you know, pack mentality, especially young kids. I mean, that squeal and run and flail and um, you know, that's the stuff that can excite prey driving dogs, and especially when you get a group of dogs together that are excited because they're at the park together, they're running around,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, it, it, I wouldn't. Take a child of mine to a dog park. I don't attend dog parks anyway, but.
3: Right. And then if your child ends up the one being chased. Right. That can incite fear in your child, too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very so, you know, questionable whether it's it's uh, the best choice to take your young child to a dog park in the first place. And if you are, I would make sure that you're not letting your child chase other people's dogs around.
3: Yes. Yes. I would. I would really stick with the uh, school age, like seven and up. Yeah be maybe more appropriate because they know how to throw a ball for a dog. They're not going to squeal
1: unexpectedly. Right. And dogs know the difference, too. I mean, that's why a lot of dogs are freaked out by kids, you know, underneath the age of seven or five mm-hmm. or whatever, because they're like, you don't know what you're doing and I can't trust you because you're yeah. just, who knows what you're about to do right. to me. Mm-hmm. And dogs definitely sense that right away. It's just a different energy. Um, So let's talk about greeting kids and and what people can teach their kids about properly greeting a dog um, you know first first rule what would you say
3: I would say like the first thing i would always do is you're going to model you're going you're modeling the appropriate behavior you want your mm-hmm. kid just like you're modeling for your dog how you want them to act around kids mm-hmm. so i know for me i have to you know i don't have a child right now but with lily if a kid comes near I even have to talk myself into being calm around her because right. I don't want her to freak out because right. I'm used to her being kind of nervous around dogs, so I get nervous, right? But I need to, like you've said, you know, model yeah. being calm around her, and I think that's the same for parents. They need to model, okay, when we go up, you need to ask permission, right? and we need to be calm around the dog.
1: Yeah. Asking permission to pet is mm-hmm. uh, A number one. Make sure that the you're training your children, to ask, and I don't assume when I'm out with a dog um, that children will ask. So I'm always right. on the lookout, unless I have a dog that I know is just bomb proof with kids, yeah. and loves kids, like my mm-hmm. dachshund mm-hmm. lives for kids. Mm-hmm. So I know she's gonna, she will actually drag me towards kids. Yeah. So I know she's fine, but I'm, I'll still be looking out for for that. And if you have a dog that's nervous around kids, you're always watching. And if you see a kid run over, you know, Mm -hmm. you do what you have to do to prevent any sort of physical contact.
3: Right, right. And I think, um, you know, as a parent, too, make sure anytime or even as an individual, even if you don't have kids and there's kids around or just being um, a good role model as an adult and always asking to pet a dog Mm -hmm. because that will show any kids around, even if you don't have kids, it will show the kids around. Because they're always watching, especially young kids are watching, and they're picking up on social cues and what's happening around them, and that's mm-hmm. how we learn. That's how we build different ideas of how social situations go. Mm-hmm. And I think just modeling that in general, no matter who you are, is mm-hmm. always a good ex- good thing yeah. for anyone around.
1: Um, so ask first, stay calm, mm-hmm. um, slower movements, and this is what's you know challenging for kids, but they can definitely, especially under the supervision of an adult to be shown. I've even seen parents hold their child's arm and actually mm-hmm. like pet the dog with the child's hand yeah. and kind of show them because, you know, they know that the child at, at like two years of age isn't going to be able to just, you know, necessarily follow those rules, but they can actually kind of show them.
3: Yeah. And and say um, reaffirmations, right? Like, oh, good pet. Good, gentle. Yeah. Um,
1: Just like what you would for a dog. Just like for a dog. <laughs> yeah.
3: And also... Just like for a dog, and we've talked about this a little bit, how you wouldn't um, use—I know—I don't think that you really use a lot of negative commands with a dog, right? You want to use more like of the um, the positive. Same with a kid. So if you're saying like "no, don't do that" to a kid, or like "don't climb the stairs," all they hear is "let me climb the stairs," mm-hmm. right? So if you can reattach it in a positive way, you're not only role modeling that positive situation for the kid. Um, But you're also, they're hearing you. Because what they're going to hear is the the major premise. They're not really necessarily always going to hear the no or don't. Mm -hmm. They're going to hear the command that comes after that, right? Right. So if you're saying, good, gentle, gentle, not like, so if you say, uh, don't pull, well, pull is what they may hear and pull is what you're going to get. So keep it more off good, gentle, good, good, pat, good, you know, use those positive words that that's what they're going to do.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dogs are similar in that way where they don't think in negatives like that. So if you were to correct a behavior, like you wanted to let the dog know that you didn't want them to do that effectively, you wouldn't identify what it was that they were doing that you don't want, like no mm-hmm. jump mm-hmm. or no pull, like on the leash in a dog's case. Mm-hmm. It's just no. And then you, wanna you want to focus mm-hmm. on what you want, focus on what you want, focus on what you want. um Exactly. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and we have a lot more to talk about with Kara Thornton, who's the founder and author of Present Day Parenting. You're listening to the dog show on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, this is Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show and owner of Sensitive Dog, dog training and behavior. Invisible Fence Northwest uses a balanced, gentle approach to help dogs learn their boundaries. I've seen it firsthand. They work with each person and pet as an individual and teach in a way that is fun and respectful. Your dog quickly learns it has freedom and fair boundaries so is safe, happy, and secure. Isn't that what we all want for our dogs? Save $100 when you visit InvisibleFenceNW.com or call 800-800-FENCE and tell them you are a dog show fan. They're there for the life of your pet. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer.
2: Who is Chopra? What is Jopra? When
3: is Chopra?
2: Joe Jano is the host of a brand new show called Jopra. Joe has been nicknamed Jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening, just like a certain other talk show host of World Without. Born and raised in Seattle, independent-minded Joe Janot is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder, laugh, and deliberate. The Jopra Show is about the ins and outs of food and drink, relationships, entertainment, and so much more. Get to know Jopra every Thursday at 2, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See ConversationsLive.net for show schedule and guest information specializing in spinal decompression, chiropractic and physiotherapy. Dr. Justin Favreau and his team uses integrative evidence-based treatments to provide his patients with comprehensive care that works with the body as a whole connected system. Director of the Advanced Rehabilitation and Wellness Center, Dr. Favreau would love to find a solution for your symptoms of pain, numbness and tingling headaches, allergies, fatigue, and general malaise. Contact Dr. Favreau at 206-497-4962 or go to advancedrehabandwellness.com. That's advancedrehabandwellness.com.
3: Spread the word. You don't have to settle for the usual talk radio. Now there's Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: Lily leaves kisses on your collar. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We are back talking about kids and dogs with Kara Thornton, founder and author of Present Day Parenting. You can find Kara's blog online at presentdayparenting.com. Kara is a school psychologist and focuses on ages birth to 21. (laughs) All of them in there. All of them. (laughs) So in the first segment, we talked about um, kids greeting dogs. Uh, Just to recap, always teach kids to ask first before saying hi. Always, always, always ask. If there's nobody to ask, then don't touch the dog like if Mm -hmm. the dog is tied out. To teach kids how to have calm energy, use slow movements, and if they can't pet the dog, if the answer is no, to talk to the child about why they mm-hmm. can't pet the dog. It's an opportunity to, you know, educate them and kind of give them some information about, you know, why it's not a good idea. And so then they have also had that experience as well. Yeah. We want a role model the appropriate behavior so a good thing for adults to do is to ask to pet dogs themselves even if you don't have kids if there's kids around you might be benefiting some little kid that's watching because kids watch everything Mm -hmm. and then uh, before we move on to socialization and conflict resolution Mm -hmm. very interesting one just want to touch on um, what to tell kids to do um, how to respond if your child is approached by an unfamiliar dog. So we, we've been talking about kids approaching dogs, but what happens if there's a dog that approaches your child, like mm-hmm. uh, a loose dog or, you know, that would be the most common situation. Some dog is running around loose, or if you're at a dog park with your kid, which we discussed earlier is maybe not the best idea for a young child. Um, main thing is to freeze. Just not, you know, try to stay calm, 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 calm. I would say, um, you know, I don't know how possible or realistic this is, but to almost condition a child to think about another place. Mm -hmm. So they just completely withdraw from, so the dog might come up, sniff them. If they give the dog nothing, the dog will not have any reason to do anything. Mm -hmm. Just sniff and then eventually walk away like, oh, this thing is almost inanimate. Yeah. You know? And I
3: think that's a good thing to to talk to your kids about mm-hmm. um, because you never know when that's going to happen. Kids are playing in their own front yard or, yeah. you know, they're in their space. So maybe you're inside because you're kind of keeping an eye on them, but you're not like right there next to them. Yeah, um, Definitely good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, maybe your kid is afraid of dogs and they've had a bad experience with dogs. So, you know, there's plenty of different things out there. You and I talked about about maybe associating your dog or your child with a more positive dog experience Mm -hmm. Um, because dogs are out there. They're definitely part of our social lives, whether Mm -hmm. you want them to be there or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of people have very strong love for dogs, so they're going to be out there. So it's probably, you know, a good idea to get your kid involved in an experience where they can have a positive experience with a dog mm-hmm. so that they're not showing a lot of fear if a right. situation like that does occur. Right. That they have those yeah. positive experiences. And
1: the worst thing to do would be to have a child scream and run. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because that will trigger a dog's, potentially trigger a dog's prey drive. And that would be potentially very dangerous. So just calm, calm, calm. Go to your happy place. <laughs> Hold still until uh, you know, an adult comes or the dog is gone and then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we talked about socialization. And so we're going to be now kind of comparing kids with dogs, which <laughs> is so interesting because there's a lot of ways where they um, are very, where they sort of parallel each other or where things seem to be truth, true for both kids and dogs. And then there's definitely ways where they're not. Right. Um Children being human and dogs being canine. So Correct. one of the things, and I think this is probably also accurate for kids, but the whole socialization thing, like I've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but it's like, I need to socialize my puppy. So I'm just like going to take my, going to take my puppy. It's like, I'm just going to take my puppy here and, or take my, I don't want my dog to be socialized with other dogs. So I'm going to get him around other like as many other dogs as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. But that's not really socialization because the best socialization is where you're really able to control the quality of the experience, and it's so it's not so much quantity as it is quality. And right. I would imagine it's probably similar with kids.
3: Yeah, you're not going to just want to throw your kid into any random situation. If it were that way, then people would just put right. them, their kids in any daycare or any yeah. preschool desensitized, but, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good
1: experiences. Yeah. It's like like you said, I mean, with other dogs, if you have a child that's never met another dog, it's not just about having them meet other dogs. It's about having them meet dogs that they have a positive experience with so that they they leave that interaction where it's actually constructive and not destructive Mm -hmm. or making it worse. And the same is true with dogs. I mean, this whole idea of socialization, like if, you know, when you socialize, who do you hang out with?
3: Mm -hmm. Your friends,
1: your friends, people who you have relationships with Mm -hmm. already established. Those are who we're drawn to and who we want to socialize with. We're comfortable. Yeah. And they're also more intimate. So this is where we maybe learn about resolving conflict or, you know, you're not going to have too much conflict, maybe unless you're driving with a stranger. (laughs) Uh, You just kind of pass them by and no big deal. Um, And so as we talk about conflict, this was something that you had a lot to say About in our conversation. Um, And this is definitely, there's a degree that this is definitely true with dogs as well. Letting, the importance of letting kids try to resolve conflicts with other kids Mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah. So at about, um, at about the age of three, your kids are going to really kind of start playing with um, other, other kids without the adult influence, right? So, a little bit um, at parks and things like that. Um, a little bit earlier than that, you're going—they're going to be doing a lot of parallel play, right? So they're going to be playing alongside of other kids, and parents are going to be pretty involved in this play. So that's a good time to role model how you deal with situations. That's where parents step in and say, "Oh, we're going to share with Johnny now," or "We're going to share." You know, those are good. That's the good age to really sort of role model those things. As kids get older, they're going to start playing a little more by themselves. And they're gonna have to come across these conflicts on their own, right, so uh Johnny takes Sally's truck and the sandbox. well, they might have a discussion about that, and it might become a little bit heated, but as long as they're not hurting each other right <laughs> then um then it's kind of okay to let them experiment, keep your proximity close, yeah, but it's good to kind of let them have that conversation and see how they hey, how they can monitor through that themselves. uh kids will work it out if they if they have the chance. Uh, if they certainly if they get physical, you're want to gonna you're going to want to get um, involved as a parent. Yeah, but um, you don't always want to step in if they're having a discussion about it. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: kind of see how see if they can work it out. Yeah. Let don't, them have that practice.
1: Don't butt in too quickly, right? Because then you're potentially taking an important opportunity away of them really learning how to communicate and resolve conflict, which mm-hmm. is a, a time when communication skills are needed the most. Yeah,
3: you gotta trust that your role modeling and that the examples you gave before yeah. you know are really gonna play out and what a proud moment when they do, right? Yeah. So you're like, hey, yeah. my kid
1: did that all by themselves. Yeah. Um now, is that something like at that age that where you would see the communication skills of the environment potentially sort of come through the child during yeah. that like you took my truck kind of situation? Right. If they have a parent or parents who have role modeled healthy, skilled communication, and situations where that has already rubbed off, and you can actually start to see that. Yeah. come through.
3: I have my my best friend has a has a two year old, and we were she's almost three, and we were at the pool this summer, and I just thought of this example because it was so great. And uh, she was at the top of this little tiny water slide, so you know, in the cool the kids pool areas, they have these little water slides, and this other little girl was budding in front of her, and I thought. I really hope that Sadie does something about this, you know, cause my friend and I were kind of sitting back a little bit and, uh, and watching from the bottom of the slide and, and, uh, Sadie said, I'm first. And it was just great to watch her take that like initiative on her own yeah, to not let this older girl butt in front of her and had, you know, her mom step in or I stepped in and said, Hey, Sadie gets to go first. Um. It wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't have got you wouldn't have gotten to see that she had that initiative on her own. Yeah, and she wouldn't have gotten to practice that on her own. And what a great thing for not only her to practice, but her, her mom and and um, others to see that she is an assertive little girl and she can handle yeah those things on her own. Yeah, you know,
1: I'm going down the slide first. You I wait in here. line. This look that she
3: gave her, like, yeah. excuse
1: me. Yeah, and did that's the older how we do did the older girl like back off? She did.
3: She waited her turn. Nice. And I, you know, kids. That's how they learn, and that's how they learn the social like their their social roles, and mm-hmm. you know, hey, this isn't fair, and she knew that wasn't fair, and she's going to say something about it and if yeah. everyone always stood in for her and told her what wasn't fair and did it all for her, she'd never learn how to do that on her own mm-hmm. you can't go to you know you can't go to kindergarten with your kid and play in the playground they right. got to learn how to do those things on
1: their own right, and there is a similarity with dogs because dogs i see like especially when I've worked with uh staff of doggy daycares or people with multiple dogs in the house, Um, there's a definite question about how far do I let the conflict go before I need to butt in. So we're going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to finish that thought about conflict, and then we're going to talk about uh, the developmental progression of kids, which is so interesting, and relate that to dogs as well. So we're talking with Kara Thornton, who's the founder and author of Present Day Parenting, you can find her blog online at presentdayparenting.com You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk,
0: 1150. When I was a lad that old shep was a pup over hills and meadows
1: For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Jones and Company Pets in Marysville, we cover the world of animals. This week, July 15th, always entertaining, Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive will host the show for me. They'll be talking about Connectin, OptiGest, and a new product from InClover in the first hour, and they'll have open phone lines for the rest of the show so Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones here or on the other side. Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here. An alternative talk, AM 1150.
2: Joan Sarita, creator of Therapy Corner Store, servicing your animal needs through therapeutic music, massage, aromatherapy, and workshops. Helping people connect with their dogs and promote healing through touch and music with her instructional CD, Therapeutic Music with Canine Massage. Go to joansarita.com, that's J O A N. S-O-R-I-T-A dot com to order your therapeutic music with Canine Massage today. Or call 425-877-4824. That's 425-877-4824. Therapeutic music, aromas, and massage for your dog.
1: This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dogs
3: Write it down, shout it loud. Alternative talk eleven fifty AM. Now wasn't that fun? He has
0: gone where the good dog is go. and no more with all
1: Welcome back to the dog but show with Julie Forbes. Eric, is that Elvis?
2: That's Elvis Presley.
1: Wow. He's got another dog song?
2: He does, yeah.
1: (laughs) He liked his dogs.
2: Well, he dissed dogs in Hound Dog, so uh, in this one, it's a tribute, a loving tribute to Old Shep.
1: He's saying he's sorry in this one. (laughs) Essentially, (laughs) yeah. All right, well, we're back talking about kids and dogs, and we have with us in the booth today Cara Thornton, who's the founder and author of presentdayparenting.com. It's her blog about parenting For ages birth to 21, Mm -hmm. Kara is a school psychologist and has been working with kids for several years and has also had experience with kids with disabilities. Yes. So we are almost comparing in some ways, talking about kids and dogs interacting with each other, which is what we talked about in the first segment. And then now we're sort of talking about sort of comparing aspects of kids and and dogs and seeing how they are similar and how they are different. Mm -hmm. And what we were talking about in the last segment, um, where we ended off, if you're just joining us is we were talking about conflict and how important it is to, for parents to let their children resolve conflict with other children to give them the opportunity to do so if they're going to be able to do so effectively. Like, you know, kid level conflict. So Mm -hmm. like you cut me in line or Mm -hmm. I'm not done with that crayon yet or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And how parents can have a tendency to intervene too soon. And then it doesn't give the child the experience of resolving conflict effectively of um, standing up for themselves, which I think is extremely important, especially for girls. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to just kind of learn those basic communication skills, and to do that with other kids. And when you were talking about that, Kara, I could definitely see that there is a huge similarity for that in the dog world, for people who um, take their dogs to dog parks, or for people who live with multiple dogs in their house, um, or for like a somebody who might work at a doggy daycare where they have lots of dogs in a small space. Dogs resolve conflict oftentimes with aggression. I mean, it's part of natural communication for dogs. And a dog who is a good communicator and an effective communicator will use the lowest level of aggression necessary in order to be effective and won't just jump to causing damage and actually like biting another dog or something like that. And when that happens, you know that the dog has... Some social issues. Either has mm-hmm. never learned it, or it might be, you know, part of their genetics might be contributing to that, based off of what they were bred for. Mm-hmm. Can be hard for them to control aggression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could definitely see that. Um, and I think the key for both is like you want to be. It's not like oh they'll figure it out, right? Let them duke it out, <laughs> right? It's like as long as it doesn't get to the point where. For kids where they're getting physical at all Mm -hmm. and for dogs to really be able to read. And this is hard for people who aren't used to aggression because aggression is scary Mm -hmm. to be able to read. um, okay, these dogs are flashing their teeth and making these horrible sounds and even sort of rearing up and touching each other. But if you wait another second, will they split off and then Mm -hmm. shake off and then they're fine? And a lot of people don't let dogs figure it out. And then what that can do is actually, for dogs, build frustration, which Mm -hmm. is a huge contributor to more aggression in the future. So not only are they not learning how to resolve it, but it can actually just compound it and then make the next time even worse because Mm -hmm. it was, like, kind of built up. So it's interesting, um, you know, how kids learn how to, how to you know they need to learn how to resolve conflict too and i think that the other thing like i mentioned is like for kids it's like use your words
3: right we can use words we can we can mediate with kids we mm-hmm. can talk with kids we can
1: yeah debrief you can debrief with kids go over things which process. is very important
3: process in resolving conflict yeah which talk is- about
1: how things went mm-hmm. how did you feel And that's a huge difference between kids and dogs because you can't do that with dogs. Right. And I think that one of the big misconceptions in training now is that because we as humans are so conditioned, as I think we should be, to not use physical force to resolve conflicts, to use our communication skills, Mm -hmm. um, you know, assuming that the human has them. (laughs) Right. But that dogs aren't verbal. So dogs can't use words. You can't tell a dog, use your words. Dogs have to, um, in some situations, be very physical. It's how they communicate. And if Mm -hmm. you don't let them do that, um, or if you don't appreciate that about them, I think that it's not really honoring who they are as animals and a a different species. And I think that that sort of shows up in the world of training and behavior where it's it's almost gotten too heady and too intellectual for dogs because dogs are you know dogs are still quite straightforward in how they learn. I mean they're very complex and deep in some ways, but it's it's all very simplified compared to kids.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and even then, I think kids are pretty simple sometimes too, and people yeah. do yeah tend to make it a little more difficult right. than it needs to be as well. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting where there's where there is quite a bit of overlap. And then and then like in some cases, the overlap only goes so far. And then and then there's a huge difference. difference, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about socialization. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Kara Thornton, who's the founder and author of Present Day Parenting. You can find her online at presentdayparenting.com and Kara is a school psychologist and has worked with kids for several years. And I want to talk now about um, the development. I thought this was just so interesting. We have just a few minutes before our next break, and then we'll come back and uh, pick up where we left off. Now, there's different, like, develop. I mean, there's, you've sent me this information that is, um, I'll have to post this on our website and on our Facebook fan page. We are both on Facebook. If Mm -hmm. you have not become a fan of us yet, You can find me at The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook and become a fan so that you can be a part of the conversation in between our live shows, which are every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. And then Present Day Parenting is also on Facebook as well. So find Kara and her Facebook fan page and become a fan of them, too. Love to have questions
3: and stuff, too. Yeah. Happy to give some feedback. So that's great.
1: If you have any questions, if you're a parent or uh, aunt or uncle or know a parent (laughs) who might need some guidance, (laughs) Um, feel free to contact Kara through her facebook page, and uh, she 's welcoming questions so there 's this um i 'll have to post this this is really interesting milestones in social and emotional development for kids mm-hmm. so of course, this is one way where children are way more complex human kids than dogs, uh, but dogs have their own development timeline for sure, so tell us about kind of the highlights of of this as far as their, them socially and, um, you know, mentally and emotionally?
3: Yeah. So, um, I would say one of the most fascinating things is that, um, the brain, the human brain is extremely fascinating and yeah. that it's, it reaches, uh, approximately 80% of its full size by two years of age. Um, and then from then, you know, you develop a lot of, um, it's kind of like a tree, your branches start growing a little more within the space that that it's grown. Um so that's where where kids have to work with and so what they do is their their little trees grow, I guess you could say, a neurologist might say that I'm simplifying it far too much. Well, but. I'm
1: sure they would be.
3: <laughs> but I'm not a neurologist. No. Uh, so I'll I'll explain it a little bit this way for the simple-minded like myself. And um and uh, you know these little trees grow from role modeling and conversations and socializations and yeah. and um, experiences and things like that. And that's sort of how um, how those brain the brain development kind of occurs. And uh-huh. in utero, a lot of it happens. And then by the age of two years old, they've they've got the size there. Now you just got to kind of continue to fill it up.
1: Yeah. And you said that the there was a distinction about the frontal lobe, correct? And Oh, I think I read on what you sent me that it's the CEO of the brain.
3: Yes, it is. You know, your your main guide yeah. of um of really consequences, problems like the the what's going to happen next for kids. Um, it, it focusing attention, organizing thoughts. You know, having impulse control mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding. Um, you need to inhibit sometimes your behavior and what yeah. you're going to do.
1: Would you say that the frontal lobe? like the development of the frontal lobe is is um sort of equated with level of almost like level of maturity or like becoming an adult yeah
3: and i think um that certainly it doesn't it doesn't fully develop in most people until the age of 25 and i think people don't really realize that cuz you see teenagers walking around and you think you know looks like a duck quacks like a duck must be a duck right mm-hmm. so i'm 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 developed like an adult mm-hmm. i um I can hold conversations like an adult and kind of model that adult behavior. Yeah. But or
1: it, and, or show like really extreme mm-hmm. intelligence like right. for math and science or writing or whatever. Right. But. But.
3: Uh, and and even at like the age of 12 to 15, they they really, they could sit down and have a conversation with you and tell you all the right things to do. So oftentimes when I'm counseling with a kid, uh, they will always have the right answer. Um I can ask them, so what would you do in this situation? And they would be able to tell me exactly what they would do. And it's a perfect answer, straight A, good to go. Yeah. But if they're in the situation and there's emotions and, and things like that happening, sometimes in the peer pressure and the the um, right. the emotional regulation isn't quite there to stop that decision from happening. Right. So then we're confused, like, you knew, you told me the right answer, but you didn't right. do it. What were you thinking? Yes. Yeah. Right. And they weren't thinking.
1: Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about kids and dogs as well. We're talking with Kara Thornton, who's the founder and author of presentdayparenting.com. Find her online and on Facebook, and you can also find us on Facebook, too, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Young world around me No, no possibilities, possibilities of getting get what I need You looked at me smiled. Said no, 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 child.
1: See the. This is Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. If you've been listening, you already know how I feel about Invisible Fence Northwest and their safety solutions for dogs. But get this, they help cats too. They tell me they've helped thousands of felines enjoy safe freedom outdoors or can keep them safe inside. They also have gentle ways to create a dog-free zone for your cat. So your dog will stay away from your cat's litter box and food bowls. Visit InvisibleFenceNW.com or call 800-800-FENCE and tell them you want the dog show discount. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet.
2: Do you have legal questions? Need to know where to turn? Hi, this is Rick Gregrick your host of Northwest Legal Compass. Northwest Legal Compass will address your questions on a variety of legal topics, including estate planning, asset protection, real estate and business planning, and more. The legal and accounting staff of Rick & Associates are dedicated to providing you with superior legal and tax services. Their integrated counsel is geared to the achievement of your goals. Visit us on the web at rjglegal.com. Be sure and tune in every Friday at noon here on Alternative Talks. 1150. Kemley Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards. Delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website, kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com.
1: This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog www.sensitivedog.com
3: 1150 KKNW.com Your connection to Alternative Talk
0: 1150 AM
1: Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes We're talking today with Kara Thornton who's the founder and author of presentdayparenting.com her blog about all things parenting. And uh, she, I think it's your most recent post or a very recent post Mm -hmm. was about, um, referencing a conversation that you and I had about kids and dogs. And Mm -hmm. it was, um, talking about one specific aspect of kids and dogs, um, bringing a baby home Mm -hmm. and prepping your dog for that. Um, but as we've been talking today, there's quite a bit more to it. And then, um, so I look forward to helping you helping you with your blog in the future.
3: Yeah, it's been great.
1: It's uh, presentdayparenting.com, and you can also find her on Facebook. And uh, she's welcomed questions. So if you're listening and you have a question about your child ages birth to 21, feel free to <laughs> post your question on her Facebook page and she'd be happy to uh, share her knowledge. Kara uh, as a school psychologist. So we've been talking about the... Um, we talked about how kids should appropriately interact with dogs. What a kid should do if they're approached by a strange dog. That was the first segment. Second segment, we talked about conflict resolution and sort of uh, made a parallel between kids and dogs in that way, where it's important for them both to learn how to resolve conflict on their own and to not step in too soon. So for kids, it's you know you, that would be any time they you know, that you would want them to resolve conflict without it becoming physical at all. The difference between kids and dogs is that dogs are not verbal. Mm -hmm. So dogs aren't going to sit there and say, hey, don't take my bone. Right. (laughs) Dogs are going to communicate that same sentiment by using aggression. Mm -hmm. Aggression is a natural way for dogs to communicate, and it is a healthy way for dogs to communicate as long as it's used appropriately and they can control themselves Um, So with dogs, conflict, uh, when it's time to intervene, is if it comes to the point where they're actually causing harm to each other. They're actually biting rather than just air snapping. And the two two can look very similar and it can be very hard for people to know what's what. And that's Mm -hmm. actually something that I've done with my business for training and behavior um, and you can find me online at sensitive com for my training and behavior business is working with people who have multiple dog households or who have brought a new dog into an existing pack. And they're not sure are these dogs going to be able to work it out or not because they can't really tell what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I love to do is work with multiple dog households. So we were talking about um, developmental stages. And it's just so interesting with kids. Um that they develop real smiles. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's probably just gas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, like at three to four months. Yeah. Paying attention to their own name. I think it said like twelve to 10 to, 10 12, to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Walking kind of around the same time.
3: Tw- yeah, 10, 12 months. And, and with any of those, I mean, months can be um, can vary very differently for kids.
1: Mm-hmm. As with dogs. Yeah. It's just a window, really. Right. And then, you know, when does... I don't even know because I don't have a kid... When do kids start to develop language? Oh,
3: it early on. I mean, um you're going to hear gurgling sounds, repeating of noises and things like that around I'd say 6 months or so. Uh-huh. Um maybe earlier than that even. And then you're going to have like actual words and things in the in the first year, or like in the 12 months and after, you're going to get like ball, like really mm-hmm. monosyllabic words. Mm-hmm. Um Ma, dad, Mm -hmm. you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, They develop, you know, the sounds more Mm -hmm. at first. Um, When I was a nanny, the kid would call me Yaya (laughs) instead of Kara. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Called me me for a while because I would always say, do you want me to do that? Do you want me to do that? And he'd say, Mimi, do that. Um, uh, But, yeah, they definitely pick up on the sounds and things like that.
1: What a trip. Like, it's no wonder why we don't remember being babies because, I mean— To go from a little creature that did not have the ability to express with language or even really understand language and to then develop into a person, a baby, who Mm -hmm. does, I mean, that process... It's just no wonder why we don't remember it because it's just so You got a lot a going trip. on. Yeah. You got a
3: lot going on. You got a lot to focus on that the memory maybe not be. Being...
1: <laughs> well, yeah. You got a lot of other things to remember. Well, and how can yeah. you except for body memory which is and that's an interesting point is that um, you know, body memory kids who are preverbal have, you know, can have body memory of mm-hmm. things too.
3: Yeah. Well, and kids even um, infants in utero, mm-hmm. you know, they remember yeah. the sounds when they come out, they remember, you know, they'll give Recognition to certain things, turn their head or be calm with a certain sound or a certain smell or a certain experience um, that they sort of recognize. Yeah. Um, It's fascinating. I mean, even when I'm, um, even just when you break down like reading, how people learn to read. Mm-hmm. just fascinates me that I can sit here and read something mm-hmm. nonchalantly, um, mm-hmm. but where I came from to be able to do that and mm-hmm. not even remembering how much of a struggle it is now and I can read a whole novel. You mm-hmm. know, just the way that it all works, it's really fascinating. So
1: they really remember sounds that they hear in utero, mm-hmm. so I should probably, if I get pregnant, stop watching The Bachelorette so that my kid doesn't have <laughs> a favorable That's, reaction to that?
3: Yeah, they, they won't remember it either. You know, oh, later fun. on, you know, they're adult and they're like, Man
1: Why do I like this show so much? <laughs> Why do I like it? <laughs> it's such trash. Bring back's comfort. All right. Um so so then then we talked a little bit about the frontal lobe mm-hmm. and how you know, well you said the brain develops most size. Size wise by
3: two, eighty percent. But
1: then what was it by five years of age? By two to
3: five it's like okay. when you're gonna have that full
1: so I wonder, and I'll have to have a neuroscientist on the show yeah, sometime to answer these questions, mm-hmm. but it's also a question for me about, well, size versus activity.
3: Oh, yeah, very different. Yeah, I I, I believe. I mean, because if you think about it, um, your your activity is related to um, how many neurons are firing inside of the right, brain. Right, right, right. So if you have more experiences and more, like, better nutrition and – You've got um, a lot of verbal going on, a lot of social. You've got all these sorts of things going on around you. Then your neurons are going to be growing and your tree branches or whatever mm-hmm. are going to be growing. You're going to be protected better. So Functioning you're gonna have, well. You're going to have a lot yeah. more um, going on.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's just so, so interesting.
3: Some people don't have as many branches.
1: Yeah. For a number of different reasons. Correct. Well, uh, we're out of time. I could talk about, especially, I mean, physiology has always been very fascinating to me but when you talk about neuroscience it's just crazy i know that dogs yeah dogs brains are developed um and i don't know specifically what they mean if it's size wise or what but by four months and so that's typically when i tell people that they can really start like formal training with their dogs but but starting training can happen with Young puppies, where they can get used to being lured into mm -hmm. certain positions, and they can certainly learn manners and boundaries at a very young age. I
3: remember you telling me how many words a dog could remember.
1: Yeah, hundreds. Yeah, four to nine hundred on average. Dogs are grossly underestimated. Well, that's it for today's show. We're out of time. We were talking with Kara Thornton, who's the founder and author of Present Day Parenting. Check out her blog, presentdayparenting.com. You can find her on Facebook as well. If you've missed any part of this show or any of our past over 170 episodes, you can find those all on dogradioshow.com, also archived on iTunes as a free download. And don't forget to become a fan of us on Facebook as well, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.